listening to the Smells Like Middle Aged Spirit Podcast. What smells so bad? It's strong, but you'll get used to it. Now, here are your hosts, Nick Stevenson and Naomi Richardson. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Smells Like Middle Aged Spirit Podcast presents... Off script with yours truly. I'm your gracious and humble host, Nick Stevenson. And this is going to be episode 46 of the Smells Like Middle Age Spirit podcast. Uh, don't adjust your screens. I am sitting behind the ones and twos. Normally you would see Josh Beard or Christopher Kahn here. But, uh, you know, sometimes shit happens. And <laughs> as you already know, this episode is a week late. Um, sometimes life happens. And life's been going on. And that kind of prompted me to want to talk about the subject that we're talking about today. As you see in my normal chair sits someone that might kind of look like me, but is not me. Actually, there's two people here who kind of look like me, (laughs) but aren't me. Uh, I am joined by two very special guests. One of them has been here before. And this is the first time showing up on video, though, Ma. Uh, My mother, Yura Stevenson, is in the hizzy. How's it going, Mama? Great. Thanks for having me. Is, is it weird to be talking to me but not looking at me? A little bit. I'm sorry. It's okay. It's uh, something you have to get used to in this biz. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, it smells like teen spirit in here because Madeline Stevenson, my daughter, is sitting at the table. How's it going, boo boo? Pretty good. How's it feel to be on the Smells Like Middle Age for your podcast? Very fancy. Very, very fancy. Feel professional. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so today's off script. Uh, I wanted to talk about a little bit about mental health and uh, everybody at some point has had a mental health event, I think. Um, As a matter of fact, I was looking up some statistics before we got started and it says that uh, 20.6% of U.S. adults experienced mental illness in 2019. Uh, that's five fifty one point five million people, and this represents one in five adults. Um, and there's 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 a ton of other statistics about breaking it down by age and gender and race, but um, that's just for twenty nineteen. Mm-hmm. Um, it says that sixteen point five percent of U.S. youth aged six to seventeen experienced a mental health disorder in 2016 that's 7.7 million young people uh and then it goes percentages based on asian white black or african-american but it touches everybody um and so it's something that has been kind of prevalent in our lives recently so one day i was feeling kind of down and i was like um i knew that I, how I was feeling on the inside, but I felt like on the outside, I probably seemed like I had it together. And I hadn't heard from anybody in a while. And sometimes when you're in that moment, you think to yourself, man, it'd be really good to hear from so-and-so right now. Um, but if you don't know, you, you don't know what you don't know. So I thought about the mental health check-in and how important it is for us, not only to you know keep tabs on ourselves and how our mental health is doing, but a lot of times some of our friends or family may be dealing with things that are not obvious on the outside and um, it's good to check on them too. So I was going to call you guys, but you're here. Thank you for joining. 
<laughs> so, um, I, like I said, this is something that's touched all of us. And Madeline, you were particularly interested in joining in on this conversation. Um, why exactly was that? When, when you've talked about doing the podcast multiple times, you said, I want to talk about mental health. So why exactly is that something that's close and important to you? I just believe that mental health is so important. Like, I think it's more important than physical health <coughs> uh, because. I pushed the wrong button. <laughs> you need some water, mama? <coughs> She's got the corona. <laughs> <laughs> what about your physical health should we talk about that no i'm kidding <laughs> um, anyways i'm sorry start over it's okay. okay well i just think that mental health is super important like in a lot of ways it's more important than your physical health mm -hmm. because not having good mental health can affect your physical health as well and it's happened to me and i've seen it happen to others and that's also a big part of the reason that i want to be a therapist when i grow up because they want to help people be able to cope with that kind of thing you know yeah. that's that's a beautiful answer you know i've talked to people who don't believe that teenagers or kids can be depressed or have mental health issues have you dealt with that at all a lot of my friends parents are like that and it's really sad for me to see them needing all this help and then not getting it yeah. because I see them struggling, but their parents just seem to ignore it. And right. it's really unfair to them. Well, you're very fortunate to be living in a time. You can ask Mimi. Me and Mimi grew up in an era where um, mental health was some, it, as much as it may be stigmatized now, it was much, much more so when I was a kid. And then going back to when Mimi was young, back yeah. in the dark ages. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but no, Mama, you could probably speak on that. Like, Yeah, that was not that long ago, actually. And even today. But um, when I was in my teens, like you, Maddie, mm -hmm. I experienced a lot of, uh, now I know, and, and even later, that it was depression. But it was not something that I talked to my parents about. It wasn't something that I had a resource at school to talk about. It was just something that I tried to deal with. Uh, and then in my 20s and my young adulthood, um, when I finally was in a position to seek uh, therapy on my own, I still had a little bit of a stigma behind it in that I didn't, I didn't share it with some of my family mm -hmm. um it was you know my my siblings knew um but like some of my closer friends and extended family it was not talked about and it's unfortunate because <laughs> what I did learn is that a lot of those family members that I was hiding it from had actually either they were dealing with some things in their own or having to take medication a lot of a lot of the um, a lot of, of, of the shame behind it actually was causing it to sort of build on itself right mm -hmm. and so um, it's been that way for a long time I think we're talking about it now more we're talking about it now more because of COVID COVID has brought to the forefront a lot of the feelings that a lot of folks as you had mentioned before Nick maybe mm -hmm. we, we kind of masked it we're up every day, going to school, every day, going to work, doing this and doing that, busying ourselves. 
uh, and not really talking about it. And so yeah. I think it's important. Or some people, some people were just sitting at home because they couldn't go to work True. or True. couldn't go to school. True. Uh, Mom, what were what were some of the reasons back then that you felt like you couldn't talk about it? What was what was the stigma that was placed on if you had mental health issues? How were you viewed? Not only by people on the outside, but even possibly people in your family. Um, well, I think maybe we touched on this a lot of uh, in in the past. A lot of the folks in my family felt, and there's people out there today that feel that if you uh, are sad, or if you're depressed, or if you are dealing with something like that, that it, it's a weakness on your part. In other words, you're either not doing something right, or you, you're not, um, it's a flaw in yourself. It's a personal flaw. It's not something that's normal and natural. And right. for me, particularly being uh, in a very strict religious background, it, it, it even came down to a question of your faith. Well, maybe you don't believe, you know, that God can help you through anything. So there was a lot of stigma around it uh, because of those reasons for me personally. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of the solutions you were given was just to pray, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which uh, if I'm not saying prayer can't help because prayer can definitely help if, mm-hmm. if you if that's what you believe in and that's your faith. Um, but it goes beyond that because there's a medical reason, which through research and study that we know now, mm-hmm. um, and it's something that's being taken much more seriously and we're having the conversation and the stigma is slowly being wiped away. Um, for men, the stigma was even bigger because we're supposed to be tough we're supposed to be macho right uh we're not supposed to let anything get to us and that that feeling of weakness if you showed any type of you know crack um that's a real thing and uh i think it's even more so among african-american men there's Mm -hmm. this stigma that's placed upon on them where they feel like they can't be weak they got to be tough they got to be you know they got to keep it keep it g keep it hood whatever you know and right uh, everybody goes through something though that that causes them to have some type of mental event. Um, Maddie, I think the first time that you mentioned to me that you felt depressed was around the time that things started shutting down because of COVID. Yeah. Um, can you recall feeling depressed before that, or is there a correlation to that? I I honestly had been depressed before, but I just didn't know what it was. Mm-hmm. I guess. So, yeah, around, like, a little more than a year ago is when I started realizing that there was actually something going on, and it just didn't feel right, so. Yeah. And I remember thinking at that time, wondering if your depression may be situational because of not being able to go to school, because of being tied up in the house, um you had a little bit of a social issue with a boy that you liked at the time that all happening at once on top of everything else. And then knowing some of the things you've been through as a kid with me and your mom splitting up, like it made me wonder, is this something that's situational? Is this something that we're going to have to deal with down the line? And Mm -hmm. as a parent, you're constantly thinking about your kid's mental well-being because you probably know more than they really realize what they've been through. And I tell people this all the time. When you have kids young and you're still growing up and you're still trying to figure stuff out, um, there is a little bit of collateral damage. Like all the mistakes you're making as a young person that every young person makes that they should make 
when you're trying to rear a child at the same time, it's affecting not just you, but them too. So like if, if you have really young parents, you almost have to grow up twice and it sucks because growing up is tough. Um, but while your parents, and that's why, you know, mama, I appreciate you so much because that is the vital role of grandparents because grandparents are that stability to be there while your young dumb parents are trying to still figure stuff out so important <laughs> and 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 i was fortunate enough when i was a young person to have my grandparents um and i think grandparents are even as I'm one right now, not just because of that. But <laughs> She's going to toot her own horn a little bit. <laughs> Listen, I, I said to someone earlier today, I said, I think that we need to have a whole movement. We need to get back to the grandparents, like that being there, the yeah. coolest and the best thing ever because sure. the role of a grandparent, like you said, is to really pick up on those nuances and to be there to support kids because as a parent, you're working, you're thinking about making a living, you're thinking about college funds, you're thinking about medical bills, you're thinking about all these things that are day to day. But I think a grandparent has this unique foresight and hindsight that they can bring to the table and sort of kind of help, you know, the grandkids to maneuver through some things that even on some occasions parents just completely miss. And it's not out of not love, it's just they're so they're busy, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, it's a, it's a very unique position, and I love it. I love being a grandparent for that reason. For sure, I um, you know, mom, you you don't live around the corner, but <laughs> you're always a phone call away whenever. And oh, it's yeah. it's funny because I'm a guy who likes to think I got it together, and I you know I know my I'm navig I know what I'm doing. I'm I'm navigating life pretty well, mm -hmm. um, but every. Every day brings a new challenge. And as these kids get older and Maddie switches from like being attached to my hip and wanting to hang out with me and dad being the coolest guy in the world to now branching out and making her own friends and making her own life, that in itself comes with a little bit of a situational depression for me because I realize like she's growing up. Mm -hmm. She's she's not my little girl anymore. And it's a sign of what's to come because eventually... I'm going to have to let her go and yeah. let her make her own way out in this world. So um, that comes with it. But, you know, Maddie, you, you, I'm glad you came here to talk about this because I think it's very brave of you to discuss it at age 15. Um, yeah. You've been going through some things. And, um, you know, as a parent, we see you go through those things and we want as badly as we can to help you navigate it. But one thing that Miss Heather, your therapist, has helped me with is like, some of this stuff you're going to have to figure out. Mm -hmm. And I think I allowed myself to slip into a depression over the fact that I couldn't help you. And then what I had to keep telling myself and remember is there's not any magic word I'm going to be able to say to you that's just going to make everything go away. Mm -hmm. You know, um, this is something that as you grow up, you're dealing with and you're going to have to learn to navigate through. And I want to say that you're all things considered, you're doing a very good job. Like, all things considered, and, you know, I asked you if you wanted to talk about your recent experience, because your recent experience is a very important step into your growth. Um, and so, um, you've, you've had good days and bad days over the last several weeks, mm -hmm. and 
you know, sometimes you get lulled into this comfort zone because you were been able to string really good days back to back to back a couple times. You know, you might even have a good week here and there and everybody's feeling like, oh, man, I, I think we got this thing nipped in the bud. But if there's one thing that depression doesn't do or anxiety, it doesn't keep a schedule like you don't get it doesn't tell you like, OK, on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, we're going to be good. And then Saturday, look out, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. you know, um, it can creep its ugly head up out of anywhere. And um, we had a situation where last week wasn't great, you know, and I did one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. And that was take you and have you stay at a facility for a little while. And you were thrilled to do that. Right. That's the exact place you wanted to be. Right. Not exactly. <laughs> As Hannah described it, it's not paradise. <laughs> it's not paradise. <laughs> yeah, because Hannah heard you were getting free food and watching doing activities movies. and watching movies. Yeah. And she's like, that place sounds amazing. <laughs> <laughs> not exactly. <laughs> um, it's something that I never wanted you to have to go through. But you have to know that you're not alone. Mm-hmm. Mimi's been there. I've been there. Uh, a lot of people you love and that are close to you have been there. Some of your friends have been there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's probably something that's becoming more common than uncommon. I think um, in in harmony with what you said in the beginning, you, you, you compared it to physical health. And mm-hmm. none of us in this day and age gets upset if we have to go to the hospital because we've got a broken leg or... A, a knee that, in my case, I got knee surgery. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's just what has to be done, right? Um, but when it comes to our emotional health, sometimes we're not as smart. And to get to that point, it's we look at it like, oh my God, it's the worst thing ever. But once you've been there, um, and and in a quality facility, I, I was fortunate enough to have quality health care in that manner. Um, and I think your dad was as well. Would you say that yours was, was quality? Yes. That makes a whole difference. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of the stigma that we have uh, associated with it is because maybe there's a lot of thoughts about what it could be or, ooh, I don't know what they're going to do. Yeah. Um, they make scary movies about it. Right. Asylums. Yeah. Right, and right. <laughs> and it's not, it's not like that at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That was the one, one of the main reasons I didn't want to go. Mm-hmm. Cause I was like, I don't need to go there. I'm. I thought it was gonna be a bunch of people in straight jackets and yeah. padded walls and right. You know, getting tranquilized and stuff like that. I did see one person get tranquilized while I was there. That was a that was a thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> did you well, see there's that? There's always someone. No, someone almost did. Everyone there called it booty juice. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what you folks call it because they give you the shot in the muscle. Yeah. Booty juice. Intramuscular. Yeah. Yeah. There's this one girl, she almost That's got it. some booty juice. Yeah. It wasn't good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's not a pretty sight at all. But, I mean, that was the stigma that I had placed on there. Mm-hmm. And, Maddie, I remember the first day I talked to you, you told me, like, I don't I don't feel like I need to be here. Yeah. Like, we had, we had you know, a situation where I felt like that was the best place for you to be. And, but when you said that to me, I didn't want to get... I didn't want to like be down on you for saying that because I remember feeling the exact same way. Mm-hmm. And you did so much better than me because I didn't do anything for two weeks. I sat in the room. I didn't shower. I didn't do nothing. Like I just sat in my room and then tried to play like I was good when the doctor came in. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember 
when the doctor came in the first time, like I said, I hadn't showered in like four or five days. I probably looked a hot mess. I was probably stinking. And I heard the doctor was coming. So I like ran in the bathroom real quick and like put some water in my hair and like slicked it back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like tried to like brush my teeth with my finger type of thing. Mm-hmm. And then was like, oh, this these past few days has just been so amazing. I'm I'm so ready to go. And yeah. I'll never forget this place. And the doctor's like, Nurse Betty says you haven't showered in four days. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh. Mm-hmm. You talked to Nurse Betty, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the nurse talked to the doctor. Yeah. yeah. So that, you know, but by the time I left, and I was there much longer than I probably should have been, by the time I left, I had so much respect for that place and respect for what they were doing for people. So I really was hoping that that would be your experience too. And everybody's experience is different. Yours wasn't going to be just like mine. Mm-hmm. But is there anything you picked up in there while you were there that you feel like you're going to be able to use? From today forward being there just really i guess it gave me this sense of like motivation like before i would always complain about the fact that i just felt like i had no motivation to do what it took to get better mm-hmm. and being there just made me realize that like there are so many people that are here to help me and that want me to get better and i should want to get better too Mm-hmm. And I just kind of told myself, like, I'm going to stop using the excuse that I'm mentally ill mm-hmm. as, like, an excuse to let myself slip into a depression or let mm-hmm. myself have panic attacks every day and, like, actually put in the work and have, like, yeah. a better mindset about it. So. Baby, that's, like, 75% of the battle. 90. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, like, that's, once you get there. 90, man. That's, yeah. Yeah, that's I mean, I can't, I can't express enough. Um, that's 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 amazing, and that's what I was hoping would happen. I did talking to some other girls who had gone through similar or maybe even worse things. Um, did that help put some things into perspective for you? Yeah, we did this one group therapy where we all had to make a timeline of our life from the time we were born up until that moment right now and just like the defining moments in our lives Mm -hmm. and some people not everyone but a lot of people were brave enough to share their timelines with everyone yeah and it was just so like i don't even know how to describe it like just hearing some people's stories it just really put things in perspective for me and i got close with a lot of people there and like i made friends and Mm -hmm. we opened up to each other and it was just like a different type of friendship to have because they're like going through what you're going through and they know how you feel Mm -hmm. and yeah and that's the part that i couldn't sell you on you were gonna have to experience that Mm -hmm. but i knew that would happen i i ended up sitting down and eating and having conversations and talking to people from walks of life that outside of that place i would have never spoken to Mm -hmm. you know never come into contact with i came into contact with people who were addicted to drugs with people who had been in gangs and seen family members murdered. Like these are people that I wouldn't normally have rubbed shoulders with. And I may have before being there, I may have even looked down on those people. But once I got to sit there with them and see the humanity in them, I realized like these are just people. Mm -hmm. And I realized the line between me and them is paper thin. Like me not having the support system I had, I'd had me not having my mom. Um, you're, your nanny was a big support. Everybody in my family, if I didn't have that, I easily could have been one of those people 
standing on the corner talking to myself, mm-hmm. you know, or addicted to drugs and afraid to to go get help because, you know, I didn't want to be arrested or something like that. The line is so paper thin. And that's why I want you to realize and understand that you have all the support in the world that you need. And um, I know it's not easy to just walk up to every one of us and talk about what you're feeling at the time. But the, if you can just know that we're there, then I think that should that that should at least bring you some comfort. And I know you have there's certain people you like to talk to at certain times. And that's cool. The fact that you have the support system, you probably ran into a lot of girls out there who didn't have that support system. And so, yeah, it does put things into perspective for you. Um, Mama. I want you to talk about the unique mental health journey that you had because for a long time you grew up not being able to be your true self. Mm-hmm. And I wanted you talked about this a little bit on the episode that you did with us, but we didn't get into extreme depth into it. Right. But just talk about the difference between then and when you finally got to, to live your truth and what that did for you and your mental health. Yeah. So I um, didn't, I guess because of of my thoughts and family and and trying to be a people pleaser, I lived a life of being in the closet, not really accepting who I was on the inside. And just doing that, even as an adolescent, I can remember being in junior high and really just really having thoughts of harming myself detrimentally because I felt like I, I can't. I can't change who I am inside. And um, I can't tell anybody because, oh, my God, this is like the worst thing ever. At least that's how I felt as a teenager. And I carried that with me into adulthood, into motherhood, into wifehood, uh, and all the way up until I was in my um, 40s. I knew who I was, but I started going to therapy specifically for that. I wanted to talk about this wrestling that I had inside of me uh, emotionally and and, um, with who I felt like my true self was. And I had a really great therapist. In fact, she was um, very young. She she had just started in in this uh, field of of work. And through working with her over time, we had a lot of great breakthroughs. And she kind of helped me to see some things that maybe I already knew, like, I really was in more control than I, I I realized at the time. And that what I was most afraid of in expressing, in my case, uh, or being vocal, was what most humans are afraid of, and that is, if I say this, if I reveal this, well, who's going to love me, right? And it's what we're all afraid of. And once I was able to come through that, through therapy, a lot of it, um, it's like everything just opened up. My whole life just went from being three million tons heavy to light as a feather, you know, because of holding those mental chains. And I got to say this in this point, mental chains are the worst, (laughs) the worst. (laughs) They're not real. You can't touch them, feel them, measure them, but they're there. And when we find something that we can do, to release mental chains, it's a life change. It's the game changer that we're all looking for. Yeah, for sure. And um, 
that's what therapy helped me to do, and that's why I'll meet people, complete strangers. You're in therapy? Okay, you need to get some therapy. All right, what about you? <laughs> yeah. you know, I, yeah. I believe in it. Even, I, you I know, do believe in even, it. Even if you're not <laughs> fighting a war um, with your sexuality and living your truth, I think therapy for everybody is really about finding your true self. Mm-hmm. Because before you started therapy, there was something missing, something broken. There was some part of you that you were not in touch with that you needed to get in touch with. Yeah. And that's the beautiful thing about it. And that's the commonality that everybody who deals with a mental health uh, episode has. And um, yeah, I, I haven't been to therapy in a long time. Maddie keeps telling me to go to therapy. It's good. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. I love being in therapy. It's like meeting someone that knows you better than you know yourself. And it's so weird the way that my therapist will just point things out to me about myself that I never even thought of. And yeah. then I'm like, hey, or you're kind of right. Or when she points <laughs> stuff out to me about yeah. you that I didn't think of. And I'm yeah. like. It's yeah. like getting reintroduced to yourself. Mm-hmm. And then you like yourself more because you're like, you know. It makes sense why I did that or why that thing made me feel this way. Yeah. Now yeah. I have insight. Mm-hmm. It's truly, it's it's addictive almost because yeah. I love getting that same thing. It's learning more about why. I'm a big scientific uh, analyst person mm-hmm. just by nature. Mm-hmm. And if I can understand why something happened, I'm just, oh, yeah, that's my language right there. Yeah. Now I know why, you know. Yeah. It's helpful. Mm-hmm. Is there any relationships, Maddie, that after having your experience of being in the hospital, like that you thought about and thought that like, man, I I really wanna nurture that relationship a little bit more? Yeah. Honestly, I've been having a lot of problems with my best friend. Mm-hmm. You you know that, but yeah. Um, and we talked a lot about social support in the hospital and my therapist brought up a good point she said that a a friendship or like a relationship is you giving someone to that you giving something to that person that they need and them giving you something that you need Mm -hmm. but if you are the one that's giving them something and they're not giving you anything then that's toxic because you're not gaining anything from that relationship which means you're really just losing something facts being depleted so so it kind of made you reevaluate some of your relationships yeah that's good is there anybody that maybe you haven't been as close to in the past that maybe going through that experience is like man i should i should call this person more yeah i've i thought of a few friends when i was there just like friends that i was close with before but i never really like talk to them about like their mental health status and how they are right like we would just joke around with each other and i considered us close because we had fun together right Mm -hmm. but like i've made a lot of friends this year that i consider them close because i consider them people that i can open up to and that will understand me and won't judge me for me telling them things so i think that's a really important thing to have with someone it's on a real level yeah um it's it's that's when friends become family yeah. um and that's when your your relationships have real meaning yeah and um that's that's a beautiful thing i, I was just curious because uh, you know me being in the hospital gave me a lot of time to reflect on a lot of things mm-hmm. and um 
I reflected on, I think going there made me a better father when I came out because I realized that I was putting so much energy into the things that I thought would make me happy that I was ignoring the things that I had already mm. that made me happy. Mm-hmm. And so important. Yeah. yeah, it was it was one of the biggest lessons that I learned there. Like all these things that you're putting all this energy into, like trying to hold on to that don't belong to you. Like, look at what you have. Mm-hmm. Gratitude. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Gratitude. Absolutely. So, so that was one of the, the more important things that, that I thought of. And I got out and I wanted to, I, I thought of some relationships that I kind of let slip that I wanted to, to rekindle and try to build on. And, and I did that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, one of the things that inspired me to do this episode is, the mental health check-in. I said sometimes we have friends that on the outside look like they're just fine. They laugh, they joke, they're smiling. Um, and I think one of the, <laughs> whenever somebody asks you, hey, how you doing? What's the number one answer people give? Fine. I'm fine. I'm good. I'm good. Mm-hmm. I'm good. Making it, you know. Yeah. Um, because I think that's like a ceremonious, people view that as a ceremony. When somebody says, how are you? It's like a ceremonious, how are you? Oh, I'm good. And then you just move on. But oftentimes, maybe those people aren't good. And I think it's good to reach out to some of our friends and say more than how are you. But hey, I just want you to know that I was thinking about you. I love you. And if you ever need anything, I'm here for you. Mm -hmm. I've gotten that text message a couple of times. And I felt there's times that I was not going through anything. And I was like, oh, man, that's really nice. There's times where I was going through some stuff and didn't nobody knew about it and just that one text message like made me start tearing up Mm -hmm. and crying because (laughs) i didn't yeah like it's no i felt like nobody knows nobody understands and then somebody just sent that one message at the right time and and then you know when that happens you know you got to take advantage of that if somebody's gonna offer you a a listening ear or a shoulder um take it from them yeah Mm -hmm. so i thought maybe we could demonstrate to our audience just how easy it is to make a phone call to somebody and just check on them. Mm-hmm. Is there anybody you guys want to call before? I already have in mind who I'm going to call. Mm-hmm. Not anyone that you confirmed you would be okay with ahead of time? Yeah, I didn't <laughs> warn anyone. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, well, let me give uh, the bearded producer real quick a call. Okay. Um. <laughs> I don't know if he wants to go into any details about what's been going on with him, but maybe he will. But it's good to just give a... We haven't seen each other in like two weeks. Hello? What's going on? It's the bearded producer. Hey, man, I'm sitting behind the ones and twos tonight on uh, the Smells Like Middle-Aged Spirit podcast presents Off Script with Nick Stevenson. Um, you're going you're gonna to get a kick out of this. I actually have my mother in the studio with us. Nice. And, and I have Maddie, my daughter. She's sitting in the captain's chair right now. Hi. Not Ooh. your chair. She's sitting in the <laughs> in the host chair. <laughs> hey, y'all. How are y'all doing? Doing good. How are you? I, I'm doing good. I'm on this side of the dirt, so I can't complain. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hear you, brother. I feel like I haven't heard your voice in like two weeks, man. We've, uh, I know. It, I've been telling the audience. silky voice coming. It, 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 it sounds great. <laughs> Appreciate it. Appreciate it. You know, I've been kind of telling the audience that, you know, obviously our show is a week late. Um, we had some delays on last week's show. Um, 
everybody's been kind of going through some things. And that was kind of the reason we wanted to have the conversation about the mental health check-in. And my mom and my daughter and I, we were kind of talking about our personal experiences. And, you know, each one of us had spent some time uh, at, a, at a facility. Um, Maddie just opened up about how she recently was in a facility. And I asked her the question, did it make you think about some of your relationships and maybe some of the people that may seem okay on the outside, but you've never really asked the question, like genuinely, how are you? And um, yeah. I'm going to be really honest with you, dude. You're one of the, you're one of my closest friends, but we just usually bullshit talk podcast and it doesn't always go much further than that. Not super deep, you know? Um, but both of us recently have gone through some, some personal uh, issues and some trauma, I would say. And I, I'm not going to ask you to get into detail if you don't want, but I know you've been going through some things. And I just wanted to call you, brother, and tell you that I love you. And, uh, you know, I'm always here to talk to you if you need it. I love y'all too, man. Uh, being, being accepted into y'all's family is definitely one of the highlights uh, of my life, of, of mine and Kayla's. Uh, you and, and, and uh, uh, Whitney have really um, shown us uh, the love and opened up y'all's doors um, to us and, and uh I've met your mother and of course your daughter and, and I can see exactly where it came from and, and it's reciprocated brother. Yeah, for sure. You got a, you kind of figured out where the mold came from for sure. And I think it's Absolutely. really, I, I think it's really dope. I'm going to, I'm going to give pat us on the back. I think it's really dope that there's three generations of Stevenson's and the smells like middle age spirit podcast <laughs> studio, yeah. a uh, Steven Terry pest elimination studio, by the way, <laughs> <laughs> forgot to mention that, but, um, yeah, I, I I just wanted to reach out to you, man, because you're one of those people. You're happy go lucky, you know, and and you, you work hard and you're always out there and you're doing things for others. But it's good to check on our friends, man, and just make sure they're good. So I just wanted to reach you're, out you're to you. You're absolutely right, man. Yeah, uh, you know, there's there's one thing that I always share on Facebook um, whenever it comes up because it's something that needs to be out there. You know, sometimes those people that are happiest are probably the saddest, and you know, mm-hmm. and it's usually shared. Um, with a couple of the the comedian icons that we know, you know, you see Chris Farley and you see mm-hmm. Robin Williams. You know, on on that screen, they were always happy and they were always, you know, something that we strive to be. But on the inside, those guys were fighting something that we had no idea what was going on. And you yeah. know, it, that is that's not just for famous people. That's for everyday Joes. Um, that's for me, you, you know, um, Maddie, your mother. I mean, it, that goes for everybody. Yeah. You know, we we put we sometimes we put a mask on, and that's to make sure that no one else. You know, feels that hurt, but you know we're still dealing with something. Absolutely. Yeah, that that's Absolutely. really true. I think uh, it was Cat Williams that said that the comedian is really uh, cynical in in the way they make us laugh because they take whatever's happening and they put a cynical spin on it, and it makes us laugh because it's ironic. Right. But it comes generally from a place of pain, and it's it's interesting how yeah. that that gets twi- uh, 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 turned around as a mechanism for for coping mm-hmm. absolutely some, you know, some of those jokes there you know we laugh and 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 carry on about it but there's sometimes some real truth to it and absolutely that's, that's sometimes yeah. the you know the hard reality of of that yeah yeah and a lot of comedians want to make you laugh because that validates them <laughs> because they're not able to validate themselves based on their own merit like mm-hmm. if people think i'm funny then i'm valuable and um right it's it's something that we all do. There's there's always something that we we can place our value on something that doesn't necessarily have anything to do with us. Um, 
I've been guilty of it sometimes with this podcast. I'll have a bad week sometimes if not as many people listen to the show as I wanted to, <laughs> you know, as yep. if as if that's somehow an indictment on myself and what I'm doing in my life. And so I have to be careful not to allow that to happen. And um, and I try not to project that onto my children. I don't want them to think that their self-worth is based on their performance on whether they do their chores or, you know, stuff like that. Looking at you, Maddie. <laughs> No man, and so here's here's one thing that my um that my daughter's therapist taught me. You don't always have to ask a ton of questions. She said, "Just ask Maddie, what's your number?" And like on a scale from one to ten, where are you at right now? So I'm gonna ask you, Josh. Like on a scale from one to ten, what would you give yourself right now? And just to make sure I heard that correctly. You said one to ten, ten yes. being the happiest. <laughs> yes. I'm a number. About a six or a seven, man. Um, uh, you, uh, you, and everybody part of the crew knows exactly what uh, me and and Kay went through last week. Yeah. Of course, those you that know, um, you know. Right. Um, but yeah, it's it's something that we um, we're struggling with kind of daily. It's, it's one of those those things that you know. Um, I'm I'm a really big person that um, you know tries to see the positive and everything. And there's definitely reason for everything, but right. um, this one's been tough. This yeah. one's been tough to kind of figure out what, what that what that good reason is. Yeah, for um, sure. Yeah, and I yeah. I think yeah. I told you as much, um, but I appreciate your ability to be strong through that. I don't want you to feel like you have to be strong. I don't want you to feel like you can't reach out and tell people how you really feel. So, you got my number, brother, and that's the reason you were the person I thought of that I wanted to call because, you know, if there's any time you just want to get it out, holler at your boy. Oh, I, I would definitely use that. Like I said, I I value you and and your family uh, um, so so much. Uh, yeah, like I said, y'all welcome me uh, with very open arms, um, and you know, um, I, I, I don't think I could ever give that back. You know, absolutely, man, absolutely. Well, I look forward to seeing you in studio again, man. We got to get back to this thing. Um, yes, sir, I, absolutely. What I'm I'm I'm, I'm, I'm uh, I'm having withdrawals, man. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm realizing is that this can be very therapeutic. I'm going to be very honest with the audience and and you and my daughter and my mother as y'all sit here. I didn't want to do this tonight. Like, I really did not feel like coming up here and doing this. And there's many, many a times that that has happened. And I feel like that until I turn the mic on, until we start recording, until we start having these really great conversations that we've had. And um, it is extremely therapeutic. So... I'm looking forward to you guys coming back, Naomi and, and Chris Khan. I'm looking forward to all of us being back and doing the damn thing, man. Yes, sir, I am too. And, and um, yeah, I, I, like you said, I I get the same way. Some, sometimes we get in that kind of funk where it's like, I, I really don't want to do it. But when, yeah. as soon as we start talking, it's just like everything, you know, half the time I forget there's a mic in front of me unless it yeah. falls off the, the stand. Yeah. <laughs> or, you know, I want to say you guys are my therapists, but then you're going to start charging me. <laughs> and those yeah, therapists are not cheap, trust me. <laughs> not at all. All right, brother. Well, I love you, man. I'm going to talk to you soon. Like I said, holler at me if you need anything. And, uh, yes, sir, man. I love y'all, too. Give our Take love care. to Kay and Mama Beard and Papa Beard. Tell everybody we love them. All right. I sure will, man. Y'all, y'all have a good night. All right, brother. All right. That was the bearded producer, Josh Beard. He's a really good dude. I know you probably haven't had an opportunity to spend a lot of time with him, but he's yeah. a very good dude. And um, 
I appreciate what he's done and what he's meant to not only this podcast, but to our family. Yeah. <clears throat> you guys sure you don't want to call anybody? I can't think of anyone to call. Okay. Mm. Let's call them in our hearts. <laughs> Let's say a little prayer for you. We can do that. We can call them in our hearts. <laughs> and I'm hoping to uh, Nick and Maddie that whoever is able to hear this, whether it's the first time or the, you know, they, they there may not be even be uh, regular fans, that something that we've said or something we've shared will help them feel better about seeking help, you know, mm-hmm. um, maybe well, better so. about uh, talking to someone that they trust and just realizing that it doesn't mean that there's something wrong with them, uh, that there's some type of flaw that you know, needs to be looked down on. We all we all have things we're dealing with, Man. and that's why we all need each other. Mm-hmm. That's a really good idea. Let's do something real quick. Let's give the people in our age group the best advice we can give them right now about dealing with mental health and or, you know, mom, in your situation, you've dealt with it. You have a son who's dealt with it, now a granddaughter. Like, because I, uh, let me just tell everybody, when, when Maddie, when I called mom and told her that Maddie had to go uh, to a hospital. The first thing she did is hop on the plane, come from Baltimore. And when you sent, I'm about to get emotional. <clears throat> when you sent me and Whitney your itinerary, that's all you sent was like, here's my itinerary. I'm coming. Um, I think her and I both just like, we yeah. lost it. Yeah. But that's what, that's what family's about. And, Maddie, I want you to know that that's what you have, and that's also what you can create for the people who don't have it. Yeah. But I've told you this, you know, I'm so proud of you that your aspiration is to become a therapist because you want to help other people. Um, and what you're going through is going to be very important for that because you're going to be able to present them an example of somebody who made it through it because you know how it feels. When you're in that moment, you feel like nothing's going to get you through it. I can't do this. I can't do that. And I've heard you say I can't so many times. And it makes me my heart fill with joy when you tell me uh, I came out of the hospital and I, I don't want to say I can't anymore. That's that's a beautiful thing. So, Mom, what's what's your what's your best advice to the people out there? Your best nugget. Grandma nuggets are the best. Mimi nuggets. Grandma nuggets. <laughs> Mimi nuggets are the best. Mimi nuggets. <laughs> um, be I hate open. To put you on the spot. My, no, no. I think the thing that's most been helpful for me is to always be open. Always be open to something new. Uh, and if you're in pain, rather than just resigning to it, look for answers. And I promise you. When you open your eyes and you start to seek answers mm-hmm. somehow, and I don't, whether it's you believe in God, the universe, or Buddha, or whomever, something gets put in front of you to help you. And that's been my experience. Whenever, when I get and have been at the worst, rather, there's, no, you know, there's been times when I just want to give up. But a lot of times I'm like, there has to be an answer. There has to be something that I'm missing. Mm -hmm. And then somebody will call me. um, I'll get a book in front of me or I'll get a a conversation with someone who's really been through what I'm dealing with. And it's just like, wow, how did that happen? So don't give up. Just be open and and open to look for different things that will come your way. And I promise you it will. It'll be life changing. That's that's really good. 
advice, my best advice that I can give to parents out there is you're not going to be able to learn the hard lessons. You're not going to be able to figure out and maneuver and, 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 and navigate through depression, anxiety, or anything for your kids. They got to learn it. Mm-hmm. As much as you want to spare them the pain that comes along with that, whether it's relationships, whether it is mental health, like you, you can't do it for them as bad as you want to. And you can actually do more harm than good if you try to do it for them. And um, Touché. that's the biggest advice that I think I can give is that you're going to have to let them figure it out. Yeah. And uh, we can support. Yeah. We can support all day. It's it's hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's very difficult, but you got to let them figure it out. Absolutely. So, Maddie, what's your advice for the teenagers out there? Well, I know a lot of friends and I myself have struggled with this, too who their mindset is always that they are being a burden to everyone around them. They're making it harder for their parents. They're making it harder for their friends, their family, their teachers, everybody. But, like, I don't know. It was kind of hard because no matter how many times I told y'all I'm sorry for being a burden, you always were trying to get into my mind that I'm not one. And that you're doing this for me because you love me and care about me. And I just really couldn't understand that at first because I couldn't understand how um, all of this could not be affecting you. But I realized that it is affecting you, but it's affecting you in a way that I guess that you want it to affect you so that you can be there to help me. And a lot of people... Uh, turn to well if I'm just being a burden then I think it would just be better for me to not even be here because then I wouldn't be causing these problems but that would honestly just be causing an even bigger problem and it would be causing a lot more pain than what is happening right now so that's beautiful absolutely Um, I heard it said one time and I'm sure you both have heard this too when when we get into a place or space where we feel like it's better for us not to be, we have to remember that not being is a permanent solution to a temporary problem. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's more than necessary, right? Yeah. yeah. And so that's what we don't want to do. I've had that. I think you passed that on to me and I passed that on to Maddie. We've talked about that. Yeah. I wanted to take my life when I was 16 years old. I made an attempt to do it. And I think about everything that I have in my life now that I wouldn't, that wouldn't be here. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to take my life when you were six months old. And, you know, you've had some rough times. Could you imagine growing up without a father that whole time? That would be really hard. Yeah. 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 And it's hard to even think about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's difficult. And to realize that for somehow I tricked myself into thinking that you would have been better off without me and when i think about that now like it's my mission in life to make sure that you're okay yeah and when you feel like i just hope you know that me mimi whitney your mom your brother your sister like we would go to the moon and back for you there's nothing we wouldn't do to help make sure that you were okay and i hope you know that and understand that now it's not just love it's not just wanting to help it's need we yeah. need you yeah. just like you need us and yeah, for sure. uh, i've been there to myself where i just do i felt like you know i would be better not being 
And um, there's a lot of people I've talked to that say, oh, I've never felt like that before. And that's great. Mm -hmm. But I think um, if you're dealing with feelings like that or any other type of depression or emotional, mental um, problems that that are surfacing, it's good to have family that can truly look at you and say, hey, I've been there, you know, Um, and not look at you like you said some of your friends have and it's sad, you know, parents that just because they haven't been in that situation right. doesn't mean they can't be empathetic, but yeah. sometimes it's hard if people yeah. don't, they're like, oh, you just need to toughen up or whatever. You hit the nail on the head, mom. That was actually my second piece of advice for parents is like your kids, no matter how silly you think their their reality is, it's their reality. Absolutely. And they don't, they're not going to have the same priorities that you have. They won't have the same priorities that you had when you were their age or the same priorities you have now. But um, if just because you don't understand it doesn't mean it's not real. Exactly. And that's something I also had to learn. Um, I had a, a trial by error. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I wanted to say this to Maddie, too. Um, just to say thank you for being the best big sister in this family of kids because I see your younger brother loves being in your company. Your younger sister loves being in your company. Mm-hmm. Um, that says a lot. A lot of times when siblings get into a place where the eldest is in the teenagers and live in your life, a lot of times there's alienation that occurs. And I'm not saying you don't need your time to yourself because you probably do. But one of the things that makes my heart warm is when I sit here and I see how much your siblings love you. And your uh, younger sister said to me today, whenever I have a problem, I can always talk to Maddie. And I thought, wow. Yeah. Yeah. That, you can't, you can't I didn't do that, that for my baby brother. <laughs> <laughs> a lot I'll of tell us you didn't. That much. I didn't either. Yeah. And I just, I was like, man. You're so needed and so loved. Don't don't so take that awesome. for granted either. Yeah. Because um it it won't take much for for them to lose that. Mm-hmm. Because Josh used to when I was little, Josh I used to be that guy mm-hmm. for Josh and I used to dog him so bad eventually he was just like gave up. He was like and you know, I I've, I've had that conversation with him and you know, I've given him my apologies and whatnot and we're good now mm-hmm. as adults. But you can't take for granted that, you know, Hannah is nine years old. She's going to be going through some of the things you've gone through very, very soon. Mm -hmm. And while you guys can't relate to each other right now, it's not going to be very long before you're both going through some very relatable things. And you're going to be a very good asset to her to help her navigate through some of those things. Absolutely. It goes back to the thing that you said about parents, even though you can't understand it, that doesn't make it real. Like... The reason that I can talk to Hannah like that is just because she, like, her problems to us, they may seem, like, less than what we have just because she's younger and she's worrying about things that a young person would worry about. Mm -hmm. But it's her reality and it's her actual feelings and, like, she needs somewhere to let those out. Like, she can't just keep them all inside no matter how silly we might think it is absolutely that it's that it's real yeah and we we acknowledge that yeah for sure for sure well i really enjoyed this conversation i'm glad we came upstairs and had it i want to thank you both mama and 
Maddie for joining me. Um, it was a, it went a lot better than it would have been if I was just up here talking to myself. I know that for sure. Um, but every time I do this, I'm always not sure. Like, eh, I don't want to go upstairs, but I always enjoy it. And especially when I'm talking to you, Mama, I continue to learn something new every time. Your your wisdom is infinite. Um, I love you. You're so wisdomous. <laughs> Um, and just thank Live you for being, yeah. Just thank you for being here, Mama, and thank you for being the uh, the matriarch of our family. I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. I love y'all. Alrighty. <laughs> well, um, that's gonna do it for off script with Nick Stevenson um, and Yura Stevenson and Maddie Stevenson, the Stevenson, Stevenson. Trio. Just <laughs> start our own podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it like my mom said. Our biggest hope is that uh, whether you've been listening to us from day one or this is the first episode you've turned on, I just hope that something that we said struck with you, it resonated, um, maybe gave you the courage to say, hey, I'm struggling with this too, or maybe helped you realize that you're not alone, or maybe it helped you realize, hey, I might need to check on some of my friends because, like I said, on the outside, we can all seem like we're okay, but each and every one of us is dealing with something that's going to possibly uh have us deal with a, a mental health you know issue so but um i want to thank all the spirit sniffers i want to thank everybody for listening thank you so much for your patience and waiting for this episode we will be back next week full crew and uh we're gonna have a good show for you so until then i'm gonna get us out of here for my very special guests you stevenson maddie stevenson my name is nick stevenson and we will see you next week Listening to the Smells Like Middle Aged Spirit Podcast. For more show content, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And don't forget to visit spiritswagstore.com for everything you need to wrap your favorite podcast in style.